so we were down 45% by the second week of March and we were, it wasn't good. And we were like, this is not going to be great. So um, come the 23rd to the 29th of March, we got down to 75% of normal turnover. Last week, we've now lost 85%. We're now trading at 15% of normal turnover. How's this for scary? Our Burke Street store typically, you know, would turn over maybe $6,000 on a good day. We're turning over $500 at the moment. <laughs> this is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. How good is a sandwich? I've been ridiculed my whole life because of my favourite sandwich. But I stand strong. An apple and cheese sandwich is essentially a Bogan's cheese platter. It's bloody brilliant. You know, when we think of hospitality, often it's the pointy end where the average spend is high and so too is the expectation. But what about everyday eats? The cafes serving breakfast, salads, sandwiches. What about these venues and these workers? Jackie Middleton, owner of Earl Canteen, spawned from the restaurant world and gifted Melbourne a form of everyday eats like never before. But like all of us, the pandemic changed everything. I've got Jackie with me now. How are you, Jackie? I'm well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, look, who doesn't love a good sandwich? Um, and I don't know if you've actually had it, Anthony, but we actually have a sandwich with your name on it. It's, we actually have a brie and apple sandwich. It's like a cheese platter in a baguette. So, um, well, actually, I should say I did now. I don't have one anymore. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I am devastated that I've not had it. <laughs> Do you know, I've, I've definitely, I always go for the crackling and the pork whenever I've had a sandwich from you guys? Uh, you're, you're not alone. You're not alone. We, it's really interesting looking at the, the numbers. So you'll see our original Burke Street store that actually turns 10 years old in three weeks' time. Wow. Um, we, we sell more pork belly sandwiches at that store than any other store, and I think it's because people habitually walk through the courtyard, and it's kind of like in this idea where people talk about how they walk into Maccas thinking they're going to buy a salad and they're going <laughs> to then they order a Big Mac. <laughs> yes. So that's what happens to us. They think they're going to walk in and, and try something different or they're going to try, come in and, um, you know, have the whole bowl for a change or whatever and they just walk, look at look at our staff and the pork belly sandwich, please. <laughs> Shit, maybe I've been kidding myself all this time. Maybe a pork belly with crackling sandwich is my favourite. You're, you're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, before we get to sort of what has happened and the impact, can you give us a, an idea of, you know, paint a picture of Earl Canteen? What's the scale of the business? Yeah, so um, as I said, we're turning 10 in three weeks. Um, so Simon and I, my business partner and husband, um, we started this 10 years ago after dreaming up this crazy dream of, um, you know, bringing restaurant quality food down to a simpler level where we could dream of actually being able to afford to open hospitality venture. We'd only ever worked in restaurants. <laughs> We'd only ever worked in restaurants before and we see, saw people, you know, not making much money and spending, having multi-million dollar fit outs and we knew we couldn't do that. So hence Earl was born. So come 10 years in cycle now, we'd um, got ourselves to um, eight locations. So across the CBD and we also did a, um, a collaborative venture with Coles Supermarkets last year. That's actually still running currently at the moment. Um, where And we actually have an airport store that's on the go that's meant to be opening later this year now as well. It's meant to be opening next month, but that's not happening now. So, yeah, we've got to the point of um, eight stores and about 80 staff, um, all, all, um, all under Simon and I. So amazing opportunity for us to to do something that we're really passionate about and work for ourselves an amazing 
opportunity to, um, I guess, do something simply and do it really well. Um, and yeah, we we've worked hard for ten years to get it to how it how it's grown. So that's that's incredible. But obviously, like all businesses and a lot of us out there, you know, this the pandemic and the lockdown has impacted. Can you give us an idea of? You know when that sort of when you first started noticing the impact and what and what impact it's had on your your business. Yeah, so um, I actually looked over the numbers again this morning just to get my head around it because it's as with everyone saying it feels like March went for bloody ever. Um, so I looked back and you know the first week of March, the second to the eighth of March, we had a really solid month. We had a really excellent February. Um, you know, as good as any February can be. We had at the end of la- last year, we were actually, you know, our busiest or our Collins Place store, which actually unfortunately closed a couple of days ago, um, had its, you know, record-breaking days day after day after day, which is bloody amazing for a seven-year-old business. I take my hat off to the team there. They're just bloody guns. Um, so we'd had an excellent end of last year and beginning of this year and beginning of March was looking good and then we were watching what was going on overseas and we started to get a bit scared. We'd noticed that catering was dropping off a little bit. We have a, I'd failed to mention, we actually have a corporate catering business that we run from our um, head um, headquarters in Cremorne, which is near the city. Um, so we'd noticed that kind of business confidence was dropping off a little bit through catering, but the stores were still kind of fine. Um, so we had a, a pretty good um, first week of March and then the second week of March we dropped down 20% and we are like, holy shit, what's happening here? Um, we then that week we, I think we... Oh, so we'd had bushfires in January and we'd really worried about that. We actually made a corporate donation of $6,000 to bushfires, my goodness. At the end of February, we had Yum Cha. We were so worried about our local Yum Cha places not doing very well. So we took, we hosted a whole heap of our stuff to Yum Cha. Um, end of February, so everything, everything seemed great. The 12th of March came, the second week we were down about 20% and we were like, whoa, something's going to happen here. And so we started talking about doing a post about safety in you know, view of coronavirus. I was really nervous about posting it, I have to say. I was really worried that people were going to start attacking us and saying, you know, you're talking this up, you're scaremongering, blah, blah, blah. What were you going to do with that post? Can you just run through what that was going to be? Oh, no. So we posted it. It's up. It was essentially we just said that we were, you know, increased sanitation levels. We've communicated with the staff about you know hand washing and all the usual stuff that we're already doing and I when Simon and I discussed it I was like you know I don't want to tell people that we're already not washing our hands or you know (laughs) doing the right thing and not wiping our nose on our tea towels and stuff like that (laughs) like we already operate at benchmark levels let's not scare people and we're like actually people are really nervous they're getting to be a bit scared so we we basically put an Instagram post up and shared lots of information about what we were doing and we talked to our staff about it and to make sure people weren't nervous so about handling coffee cups well and not and you know making people feel really comfortable about um, you know tap and go and those types of things. Yeah. So we put that post up and it just went crazy. People were really supportive and saying thank you, thank you. And by the next day, you know, and by the following Monday, every man and their dog had put out some type of COVID-19 policy. So I kind of felt like we're a little bit ahead of the trend and reading what was going on. I think looking back now, we're a bit of the canary in the coal mine, really. we Because we're so corporate, we really could sense what was happening with our corporate customers and they were a bit 
anxious. So that was the second week of March. The third week of March saw us down 45% to what we typically would be. So that's us going, holy shit, like we're barely breaking even now. This is getting scary. We're because, as you mentioned, that part of the industry we work in, it's really lean for um, for percentages. So we keep on top of our numbers really acutely. So, you know, I know to the cent how much everything costs us. You know, we, we know we use clever apps and technology to make sure we're tracking our labour really well. And, you know, at this stage we were already, you know, cutting um, casual hours and things like this to keep on top of it and try and keep numbers where they should be because we're just protecting the business, right? So we were down 45% by the second week of March and we were it wasn't good and we was like this is not going to be great so um come the 23rd to the 29th of march we got down to 75 percent of normal turnover wow. last week we're we're trading at 15 we've now lost 85 percent we're now trading at 15 percent of normal turnover and that is only because we've managed to take our catering business that has zero orders have had zero orders for three weeks and actually turn that into a home delivery model wow if we didn't have done that, we'd had like, you know, houses for scary. Our Burke Street store typically, you know, would turn over maybe $6,000 on a good day. We're turning over $500 at the moment. <laughs> so, so a lot of the people you feed are, are workers, I guess. Yeah, they are. And the, and I guess with everyone working from home, mm. there's no one to feed. No. Even though your product is is ready-made for takeaway. Yeah, so predominantly our, our product is grab-and-go, um, ready-to-go coffee, snacks, and we do a made-to-order offer for breakfast and for lunch as well. But um, the business confidence was getting shy and we operate in really corporate environments. So 500 Berkeley Original Store, you know, is underneath the NAB building and across the road from the courts. Um, so, you know, we're talking about bankers and lawyers um, so these people are the people that probably were the first that probably could start working at home, you know, um, and we, we just saw people filing out of the city working from home and all the white-collar people were the first on board with that and then that started shifting out to the rest of the masses um, not being in the city, you know. Um, yeah, so working from home really affected us and we, we totally support everyone has to do what's right for the community. We want people to – we want to be back in business as soon as we bloody can. Um, so we want everyone to do the right thing. But, you know, we noticed it really quickly. We, we saw friends that have, you know, inner urban restaurants and cafes and things like that and they're still trading kind of okay, I think, um, as best they can, especially with all the social distancing stuff that's happened in the last couple of weeks. They were still trading okay when we were already like, holy shit, we're, this is terrible. So, yeah, um, at the end of March we stood down um, pretty much most of our teams. Um, so we were at 80 staff in February. Now we've got about, oh, my God, less than 10. Um, yeah, so. What was it like to do that? Look, I'm, I, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say I, I actually haven't been into the city this all this entire month. Um, just gone because I've been really busy working with trying to get this home support pack stuff. So Simon um, has been in the city, and our operations manager Alyssa, they have dealt with a heartbreaking situation of building up teams. We've had some people like Alyssa, our operations manager, has worked with us for nine years. You know, we've got team, people that have worked for us for more than five, six, seven years, it's, which is rare in hospitality, again, especially in, you know, the cafe area and, and um, fast casual. Um, 
you know, I think they've had really horrible weeks and, you know, everyone responds to it differently. So there's some people that totally get it and, of, of course, everyone's crying, right? So everyone's upset and everyone's devastated. Some people, you know, absolutely fine with it. They're like, yeah, we understand you don't have any – some people are upset, some people are aggressive, some people are threatening to sue us, um, you know, but everyone responds in their own way and I think that's something that – it's really kind of led us to understand what the next part of our business really needs to be through this is a bit more being more supportive and thinking more community-minded. I think we've always been very community-minded as a hospitality entity anyway, um, but it really brings to in front of your very eyes when you see how much people are struggling with this in so, di- so many different ways and how you just kind of, Sam and I and our team, uh, we, you know, we we put on a brave face. That's what hospitality people do, right? You know, we might be in cafes, but we still have this restaurant theatre about us that we, you know, you're still smiling. We're still turning up there and, um, you know, making coffees and, you know, making people feel welcome. When you're talking about um, being more engaged with the community and mm. uh, I know that, you know, you've set up the catering arm to do takeaways, but you also started working with Street Smart on a, on a program yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that program and uh, how how people can get involved and sort of what it, what it is doing? Yeah. So, um, look, Street Smart is amazing. I've, I've actually known Adam that started Street Smart in Australia since the very beginning, I think, when they launched it. So back in the days when I worked in restaurants, I was at a little McConnell restaurant called uh, Mrs. Jones. And oh, yes. that's when Dine Smart first launched, and I think Mrs. Jones was one of the very first restaurants to be involved. So I met Adam a very long time ago. When Cafe Start Smarter started, Cafe Smart started about oh, seven or eight years ago. We signed up, and we've been involved every year and doing every site, doing that. So I can't tell you how much we've raised for them. I probably should have pulled the numbers up for you, but um, you know, thousands of dollars every year. Um, so you know, we've always been there, and you know, this. Street Smart um, office is not far from where the Earl office is, so we'd sometimes pump into them getting coffees from the local cafe and stuff like that. So, you know, um, anyway, Adam approached us or approached me, gave me a call and just said, hey, I've got this idea. Um, and brought to my attention that a lot of the charitable um, places out there that had soup kitchens and stuff that were relying on food donations and time donations and like volunteers were essentially shut up shop because there's obviously no food donations um, coming in from the supermarkets that were getting flogged and from the food companies that were going, holy hell, what's going on here? Um, and then suddenly, you know, the the you know the silver, you know, the over sixties that were most of the uh, the volunteers apparently um, are all staying home because yeah. they're worried about their health, rightly so. So, you know, so suddenly these kitchens are all closed, and there's all these charities that don't have food for these people that are probably even more vulnerable now in health and mental health ways than ever before. So he um, proposed that um, they could have a dual focus in regards to their charitable. Um, so. Actually, Street Smart's funding this as a trial for now. So last week and this week, they've actually donated money to a couple of charities for us and also for Ladro here in Melbourne. They operate two amazing pizza and pasta places um, are doing this as well. So um, they've actually funded a charity to pay us to make them meals for these charities for this week and next week as a 
a trial to try and get some further funding to get people to help these charities. So effectively, we're making some sandwiches. We're doing 60 sandwiches a day for two different charities and feeding excellent sandwiches to some lucky people across um, inner southern Melbourne. Right. And I know that um, off the back of that, what you're hoping to do is to get people involved as well, that people can actually purchase uh, sandwiches. Is that right? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, look, this yeah, look, this was just a little bit of a, a brain dump. So, you know, I'm, I'm really aware that I feel like we're just kind of asking for help all the time on socials now and it's not in my nature. I'm used to helping people, not asking for help. It's really horrible. So, um, so I was like, how can we get people that are still doing their normal jobs, that are still buying our support packs and still love us and use our brand awareness and get them to help us and also have like a nice new story. I don't want to keep being the bearer of like, please help us. We need to keep, you know, employing our staff. We need to keep feeding our families. So we popped up a thing where you can actually buy some charitable sandwiches and pay it forward. So you can essentially buy five sandwiches at, you know, 10 bucks each um, and essentially we'll contribute those to the charitable deliveries we're making. This is something that we already had in the works going on anyway for our royalty program. Instead of we're very aware that people are very community focused and sometimes it's not all about them and their money that they actually want to do good and pay it forward. So we actually already had this in the loop for our royalty that instead of you earning free coffees from your points like your loyalty points that you would be able to buy coffees for other people or sandwiches or lunch for other people so it's kind of it makes sense right yeah people need it more than ever right now yeah if we're already delivering to these charities let's just chuck a few more sandwiches on if people want to pay for them you know i'm i'm very limited in what i can do at the moment i'm not wasted we're not wasting a single thing like any food that we are pushing to our use buyers our staff are taking it home or we're using it for different creative ways as you can see on our support packs um so you know we're, we're trying to be as smart about things as 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 possible so we just thought if people could have a chance to pay it forward with these sandwiches then they might do that too and um gosh i really hope street smart can get some legs on this and help other um, hospitality businesses because yep. you know they're supporting us you know we're getting paid for doing these and you know i hope to you know lend them some some good vibes and whatever it takes to try and help muscle their way into getting the government to support this with all the billions of dollars or whatever's going into try and support our economy at the moment. One of the things that you've brought from the restaurant world as well is that uh, sense of supporting local. And I know a lot of producers have been pretty heavily impacted. Have you noticed uh, the impact on the people that you deal with day to day in that sector? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so we use ProCow Milk, which is a brand down here. Um, you know, we've put milk and yogurt onto our um, onto our pantry list essentially and that was to start mostly to be starting to be honest, Anthony, was because we had lots of milk and, milk and yogurt to, left from the stores to sell. You know, we spoke to our rep and he's essentially said that, you know, they went from 65 pallets of milk every Monday morning going up to 10. Wow. Um, Extraordinary. You know, so think about all those, think about all those farmers, think about all those cows that need to be milked and there's no market for that. Um, You know, if I think about all of the um, 
you know, we proudly use restaurant quality ingredients. So think about all of the suppliers that aren't supplying to restaurants anymore. Where are they selling their stuff to? They're just not, right? I know that's what you're identifying too with oysters and all these types of things. But our, our suppliers are like, they're friendly about it still. We're in the lucky circumstance that we, we're continuing to pay our suppliers. We have to. We're paying our staff. Um, we're lucky that we can. I'm pretty sure many other businesses that maybe weren't across their numbers before this happened aren't doing that. Um, they can't. <laughs> what's what's next? Like you've sort of painted a pretty grim picture of but you're still maintaining business and you're still paying staff and you're still getting food out there. Um, what, what what does Earl Canteen look like in six months' time? Will, do you, will you still have those stores or what, can you paint a picture for us? What? Yeah, look, um, I don't know. I wish I, I, wish I could. Um, I'm not sleeping much. I'm, doing, I'm dreaming about this most nights at the moment. Um, I, I don't know. It depends on how long this is going to go for really and that's what everyone's saying. Um, we don't have any answers yet about what happens with rents. So we're fortunate that most of our sites are in pretty corporate environments and our landlords are big companies that will have to have a corporate response, if you know what I mean. Yep. Um, if we're dealing with smaller landlords, which a lot of other probably hospitality people are doing that are a little bit more um, cowboy-like, as they can tend to be, um, that's going to be harder conversations. Um I'm hoping that we'll get some type of rent freeze, which means that we can lock up the stores like we have already locked up most of the stores, all of the stores except for one, um, lock them up, strip them out and hope that we can reopen in three months, six months, whatever it's going to be. Um, the catch is to like even if we waved a magic wand and it would be like it is, it was in February, it's not going to be like that, right? I'm not, I'm not going to have the teams. Everyone's going to forget the recipes. We're going to be redoing training. We're going to be whole other bloody season, whole other, you know, re-employment of casuals. People have had, you know, everyone's having, you know, midlife corona-like crises, right? So it's going to be a totally different kettle of fish that we're dealing with when we get to reopen. And that's just talking about some really basics that come off the top of my head now. So, look, we hope if we can get some reasonable action from landlords that we can reopen stores um we hope to keep um the production kitchen running mostly really it's about um staff morale and um keeping some type of employment model ticking over you know i'm we're definitely not making any money off this if you see what you get for our support back it's a whole lot of stuff that not very much money. It's really just an opportunity for us to keep some people employed. Um, people really want to work. That's one of the bloody amazing things about hospitality is that people really want to work. Like, you know, Simon, he, he's a runner. Like, he can't sit around the house, you know. We've worked in hospitality since we're 15. We don't sit around the house. So sitting around the house and thinking that we're not going to go out for a coffee, we're like, holy shit. Um, you know, so um, we're hoping that we can keep home deliveries going for now. Um, we will put the stores on ice and see how well the landlords play over the coming months about whether we are in a position to reopen those. But, you know, we've got sites that we've got, you know, fit-outs in. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what even happens with that. This is a whole new world. I don't, yeah, I, I wish I knew. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is that 
because you've been so incredibly successful and you've always managed to find solutions for things. Um, and I guess for everyone out there, I just wondered, you know, what sort of solutions are there at the moment? And just in a general sense, you know, what can people do to help? What can people do to help? They can, you know, if they are still, if they're in one of these lucky, lucky industries where they're still chugging along, maybe they're busier than usual. Bloody good luck to them. If they've got a budget to go out and eat typically, keep buying from their local cafes and restaurants and stuff. Get the deliveries, you know. If they, you know, keep playing their cleaner if the cleaner's not coming to the house. Keep playing their all the things that they usually have in their budget. Keep doing those things because that will help us all. Um, keep, um, I don't know, just keep smiling. I really feel like these masks are hiding. You know, again, maybe it's just my hospitality nature. I, I feel like I'm walking around. My, my daughter's still going to daycare. Um, she's four and I don't really have any choice but to send her there and I feel really sorry for the daycare stuff because I really sense that they don't, that they're worried, you know. Everyone's anxious and people aren't smiling on the street when I walk her into daycare. You know, a four-year-old doesn't understand. People are, are scared and, you know, people aren't smiling. They're not. So, you know, put a smile on your dial. It's, um, you know, it'll, you know it's, I guess, hospitality, you know. Make it to you, make it, you know. <laughs> put the show on. <laughs> um, you know, Keep supporting, keep supporting the local businesses. I, as I said, we we had a deal with Coles, and we, you know, operating a store inside a Coles supermarket, and you know that's pretty much fallen off the cliff too, because people are there to get some basics and go home again and and huddle, um, you know. But keep buying from your local um, small market, your butcher, your local baker, those types of things, and support those people, because hopefully they'll still be there when you want to be able to use them again in the future. Because if you don't, they won't be. We can't be. <laughs> Yeah, and we don't want to imagine that sort of world. Bloody hell no, I don't want to. That's it's horrible, you know, just watching this night, the night when they um, closed the restaurants and ScoMo said, oh, you know, that's it, we're takeaway only. We were just devastated. How can this be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I think you're onto the right thing. I mean, remembering that the sun's still shining and, mm. you know, you can step outside and, well, maybe onto your balcony or your backyard if, you have, if you're lucky enough to have one yeah. um, and, and breathe the air and, you know, it's, um, if you can find humour somewhere, it certainly helps. Oh, absolutely. I'm that crazy mum in the car at the moment that's listening to bad music and singing and dancing in the car with the kids. You know, it gives me some sanity. <laughs> well, I like bad music too, so I'm okay with that. I think we like different types of bad music. Yes, yeah, so, no doubt. <laughs> hey, listen, Jackie, um, always great to uh, catch up and thanks so much and let's keep in touch and see, um, speak a bit later in the year and, and good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Thanks for your support about um, helping us so much with this. We really, you know, my industry's at its knees. We've been not good for a while, but this is, man, this is a whole other level of, of stuff. Um, but I think um, we'll push on. We, 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 we bloody have to, don't we? So, um, look, we, we, we love what we do, so we don't have a choice. I've only ever done this. This is the only industry I've ever worked in. So, hey, um, I'll find a way to make sure that there's some type of way that we can keep serving customers and smiling at the end of this when we all get out of our houses again. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Jackie. Cheers. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. 
Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPO community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Stay safe, isolate and be well.